It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. This month's sponsor of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent, integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance program, visit this month's sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. This is Tom Fox. I take things a little bit different direction today as I have a special guest podcast with Linda Justice, the director at Dow Jones Risk and Compliance. We consider the ROI of compliance around third parties. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and today I'm extraordinarily pleased to have with me Linda Justice. Linda is the director, Dow Jones Risk and Compliance, and we're going to talk today about ROI in your compliance program. Linda, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Linda, I think this is one topic that really bedevils compliance officers. They understand how to do due diligence. They understand the need uh, for third-party risk management, but they struggle with ROI around third parties. So I was wondering if maybe I could get some of your thoughts on how uh, a compliance practitioner can improve the ROI of a compliance program specifically around third parties. Sure, absolutely. I'd be happy to to give my bird's eye view. Um, so I've been with Dow Jones now for just about nine or ten months, but I've um, worked with other clients or chief compliance officers around their third party due diligence for the bulk of my career. Um, and so I think where I would start is in order for a company to determine where their ROI is, is where are they starting from? Are they starting from scratch? Are they starting from doing Google searches? Um, are they looking to make improvements and tweaks to their program? Um, Are they making massive changes to their program just based on understanding that maybe they're exposed to some risk because uh, they should be doing things a little bit better, or perhaps let's say due to a merger or acquisition. Um, So it really begins on where they're starting. And so where they're starting will inform um, the level of risk that they might be exposed to already. Um, are they already performing due diligence? Are they are they not doing it completely? Um, you know, are they doing it inaccurately? That kind of thing. Um, so I think um, companies can measure what their ROI might look like, just depending on where they are. Um, what type of uh, resources do they have within the organization? Is their staff being utilized appropriately? Um, are certain things bottlenecking that really need to make some improvements? Um, so that's kind of the general theme of, of how I see um, my clients starting to assess what their ROI might be. Um, and I, I think what I would say about that is if they're looking now to use to really leverage technology 
um, to improve the processes that you just described. Um, who are they performing their due diligence on? How are they performing it? Um, what, who are they sending questionnaires to? You know, what type of internal risk assessment are they doing? Um, I think what's probably the most useful is if they take an approach that is not one size fits all. Um, you know, you're not going to perform the same level of due diligence for each of your third parties. Um, you really want to, um, you know, first take a risk assessment and understand what level of risk that third party might present, um, you know, to your company. Um, so in that regard, if you're not applying the same deep level of due diligence, um, you're not spending as much money on the due diligence if you don't have to. So there's a return, right? You're, if you're spending um, appropriate money, just depending on the level of risk. Um, so it might be sufficient to do a screening for certain third parties. Um, you then might find um, if you do any kind of risk scoring and determine that it's time to send out a due diligence questionnaire to that third party, you're sending it out. Um, we find not all of our um, not all of our clients and not all of the companies that I speak with um, do that. Right? It's it's time intensive. Um, they have to kind of chase down the responses, you know, getting information back. Um, and so, you know, why do it for everyone if you don't need to do that? And then ultimately, what level of due diligence um, will they apply? Will they, you know, do that screening or do that deeper due diligence on them? So. It always begins with where you are and the resources that you have on hand. Linda, if uh, uh, ongoing due diligence, I think, is another topic of interest with many compliance officers, and certainly uh, the days of doing due diligence once every two years when a company comes up for renewal are long past being anything close to a best practices. How do you help a compliance practitioner think through the topic of ongoing monitoring of third parties or, or some type of ongoing due diligence? If, they're, um, if they are screening them, we recommend that um, you then do ongoing continuous monitoring of that third party against the watch lists and, and other data that you might be screening them against, such as adverse media profiles. That you should always do. Um, but again, the deeper level of due diligence, um, it might come um, at contract renewal time um, to evaluate, um, you know, are you still, you know, purchasing the same goods or services? Um, have risks um, uh, come up inherently during the lifetime of the relationship, or you know, during that time of the relationship? I think COVID is a very good example um, where you know some of our clients might have been obtaining goods from certain regions and now have to really rethink um, where they're getting those goods from. Um, so think of it at contract, continuously monitor absolutely against the screening resources. Um, and then at contract renewal time, if you've done that assessment, um, it might be time just to reassess um, the value of the contract, you know, where goods are coming from, what level of risk, what are the regulatory factors that might impact change. Um, and, you know, if clients are um, getting any sort of reporting, any kind of analytics in the overall relationships with their third parties, um, those analytics might also inform um, the additional level of due diligence that they need to apply to continue the relationship. Linda, as you know, we end these podcasts with three key takeaways. What are your three key takeaways for the topic of ROI on uh, third-party risk management? Um, so I would say when a company invests in their overall third-party risk, um, number one, they're going to reduce their risk exposure. 
um, they will thus reduce their risk of investigations um, and enforcement costs. So that's significant. It just it depends on the entity, um, the type of risk that you know that they're facing. Um, and you know what the government is looking at. Number two, they're going to work more efficiently. Um, they're going to use their resources very, very wisely. For example, if you don't need to apply a deep level of due diligence um, to all third parties, you're freeing up some of your staff, um, you know, to uh, to be able to do other things um, to keep the organization compliant. And then this is big. Um, there's an improved value to all stakeholders. Um, so it's the organization to their third parties, but also the organization to their own employees. Uh, it's about that top down tone at the top and ethics approach. And then finally, um, uh, an improved value to other stakeholders. It could be shareholders. It could be customers, um, you know, others who are, are buying from your company and carefully watching your company and really value um, that a company is managing its risk appropriately. Linda, I really wanted to uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to visit with me today on this. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate someone's perspective other than mine. I hope I can uh, call upon you perhaps again in the future. Anytime, Tom. Thank you so much. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. If I could ask one call to action, if you would tell one person about this podcast, as passing the information along in this podcast is the fastest way to grow this podcast. Thanks again for listening. I hope you'll join me tomorrow where I take up another topic of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.